to go into the word and please here's what I pray that you'll open up your hearts just because what we're sharing tonight is not about just finance I want you to hear that it's not just about money thanks bringing is not just about money it involves every aspect of your life but I believe when we get it right with the money aspect of it it unlocks areas and principles and and just things into our lives so please keep your heart open to receive in the name of Jesus we just open up our hearts again tonight God, we just surrender our lives to you. And God, we just pray that you would undertake in every aspect and area of our lives, that you would speak to us and through us, that God, we would hear tonight such great truths that would transform our life, that would make a difference in our life, meaning, God, that we would never be the same again. That, God, we would be a new person. I like what James said earlier, that our past would be our past, period, and it would come no longer into our future. And, God, we just thank you, and we believe that, and we speak that into existence tonight. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Who would like a book? I've got a couple of books to give away tonight. You'd like a big man? I've got to give a book for that face over there. That was great. It was like, <laughs> and um, there you go. Not your face. Your, your face is something else, but that's not what we're talking. You want a book? Here you go. You've got to read it, though. If I give it to you, you've got to read it. You're going to read it? Promise. Awesome. Awesome. There you go. There you go. You will love that book. Pass it on when you finish with it. And I challenge you with that. After you've read it, pass it on. I kind of deface books when I read them. I circle stuff and underline. I sent a book that I'd been reading to my uncle in Georgia today, and I had to apologize. He probably can't read half of it because I've underlined so much, but I just felt led to do that. But what an opportunity for you to seed into someone else's life as God has blessed your life. Tonight I want to talk about having a bringing heart. I want to talk about our heart right now. If an EMS, a paramedic, shows up on the scene of an accident, the first thing they look at is not the kind of shoes that the person is wearing. Wow, look, he's wearing Jordans. Man, he's wearing, wow, that's cool. They don't look at the make or the label or the brand of clothing. They don't really even make comment on what that person looks like, the car they're driving, the circumstance or the situation. But the first thing they look at is this. Is his or her heart, do they have a pulse? Why is that? Because our heart is the source of life. Everything else really doesn't matter when the heart is not functioning properly. And that's why Jesus speaks a lot about turning a heart that's stony cold into a heart that is subtle, a heart that is yielded and given to God. That's why when Jesus came to this earth, he dealt with the heart of man. He dealt with the heart. And today we're going to talk about the heart of a bringer. If I'm going to be a bringer and not just a bringer, but a thanks bringer, I've got to realize it's got to come from my heart. I like how Robert Morris in his book says this. One of the chapters he has labeled as this. It's a title of the chapter. He says, it takes a heart transplant. It takes a heart transplant. I pray this month that most, if not all, would have a heart transplant. That God would do something in your heart. And it's not just about money. Please hear me again. But God would do something in your heart that would so change you. Literally, that he would give every one of us a new heart. And that's why tonight we're going to discover what does it really mean to have a bringing heart. A heart that gives with no strings attached. A heart that gives not because of the rewards but because of the joy and the excitement and the opportunity that it has. And I truly believe, and I'll say it again, I 100% believe that that type of heart 
will completely transform every area of your life. It will completely transform you that you will be a new person. Remember what we've shared over the last couple of messages is this. Money is a test. Money is a test that has been given to every one of us by God. And the sad reality is this. If we fail the test, it affects every area of our life. But yet the joy is when we pass the test, it also affects, not in a negative way, but in a positive way and brings blessing to the entirety of our lives. Our lives will be blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? A blessed life is a life that has supernatural power, the power of God working on its behalf. God wants to work on your life. God wants to bless your life. God is a giver. That's his nature. That's his character. That's what he is. That's what he does. He gives. And we've got to understand that he wants our hearts to be right in order that his blessing can come upon us and flow out through us. We're going to look at some scripture tonight. And the first verse we're going to look at is Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. And unfortunately, this scripture so many times is misquoted or perhaps better said, misapplied or misunderstood when it comes to really what it's talking about. It's a very misunderstood, misapplied verse in the Bible. Let's read it. It says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Here's the common mistake that is made with that verse. People assume that Jesus is speaking in regards to money. As we give, it works, doesn't it? As we give, it will be given. It's scriptural, it fits, it seems to be the thing. But here's the truth. Jesus is revealing a principle that applies to every area of our lives, not just our finances. It works with our finances, but that's not all. It's not the extent. It's not the finish of it. There is a truth here that Jesus is revealing to us. It's a principle that will work into every area of our life. And we see this when we discover the context of this verse. And many times when you read the Word of God, here's what I encourage you to do when you read the Word of God. Don't just jump in at a verse and say, I like that. Read around that verse too because it brings to light what is being said. So we're going to read around this verse. Let's jump back to verse 36 and 37 before this. Jesus says this, Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, any, condemn not any, or you shall be condemned. Okay? Forgive, and you will what? Be forgiven. Then what does he say? Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. So I want you to see this. He hasn't talked or mentioned once the thought of money, has he? He hasn't talked about as you give, but what has he talked about? Having forgiveness in your life and forgiveness towards other people. He's talked about living with mercy, being merciful to people and not judging them. What has he talked about? Having understanding. He's talked here about patience. He's talked about all of these things. So Jesus here in this passage is simply talking about the broad principle of giving. And what he's saying is this, whatever you give, it's going to be given back to you. So if you give faithfulness, faithfulness is going to be given back to you. You give mercy, it's going to be given back to you. If you give your tithe, yes, it's going to be given. But it's not just that. Jesus is talking about the broad principle of giving. And please tonight, you have got to see how God says, I want to give back to your life. God says, I want to give to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together. In other words, what God is saying, I don't want your bucket to be half full. 
God says, I don't want you just to have a little. God says, I want you to have so you are full to the top, full to the brim. God says, I want it to be overflowing. Come on, God wants it packed in. Have you ever gone to the trash can and put your foot in there so you can get more stuff in there? That's what God wants to do. Shake it a little bit. Why? Because you want to get as much as you can. I remember once I went to a golf shop and they had a sign up on the wall and it said, $5 for however many tees you can grab in your hand. I didn't just grab three tees. How many knows I didn't just grab three little tees and say, man, that's cool. I can get that in my hand. How many knows that this was the action that I did? I went in and came up like that. Okay. I came in and I came up like this. A couple fell off, but I walked to the counter and then I went, and I dropped them all. Come on, I didn't just take what I could grab in here, man. I made my hand the biggest shovel it could possibly be, spread my fingers a little bit and came up and I was cradling that baby and putting it there. Why? Because I wanted to get the most for my money. God wants every one of us not just to get the most for our money, but the most for our lives, that we would be blessed in our lives. You've got to see that. God's not a stingy God. God's a blesser and he wants to give. But when we start talking about the rewards and the returns that are available when we give to God, here's the problem that we have. And you maybe don't have the same problem as many people, but here's the problem that most people have, and that is this. They have a wrong heart. They have a wrong heart. Why? Because our motivation then becomes, what do I get, not why do I give? You see that? We have a wrong heart. Our motivation now is not just to give because we love God and we serve God and it's already His because it's all His and we're just bringing back. But our motivation now is, God, hook me up. It's like God's this lottery. It's like this ticket. that He's the ATM and He's coming. We know God can bless us, but listen to me. That should never be the reason why we give. Material gain can so easily be the sole motive and the number one reason why we give. Have you ever stopped and thought of how that would make God feel? That the only reason you gave to Him was because you expected something in return. I mean, think about that. Come on, those of you who are parents... When do you want to give back to your kids? You want to give back to your kids when they've got gratitude or when they've got greed? You want to give back to your kids when they just expect it? Well, you have to get it for me. My kids have said that for me before. That cuts me to the, man, that cuts me to the bone right there. Well, you've got to get it for me. You're my parents. I've got, hold on a second. Let me tell you something, son. Let me tell you something, sweetheart. I don't have to get something to you. You can do without and you're going to be fine without that. Don't be expecting life just because of this, that you can just start expecting. But how many times are we like that? But what does it do as a parent? Even though you know that's something they need, it makes you reluctant almost to give it to them. Because how much easier is it for to give when something's not expected and it's not demanded, but yet there's a joy then that we can give as we can bless them. I wonder how many times we've made God feel like he's just a glorified ATM machine and just giving out and paying up for all our mistakes and our bad stewardship. The truth is this, and hear me true. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. But nowhere in Scripture does it say that we, that we should make our personal gain the motivation for the reason why we give. Say with me, wrong heart. That's the wrong heart. That's the wrong heart. God doesn't want us to catch the vision of getting. God wants us to catch the vision of giving. Oh, we can get. If we do things right and we honor God and we give back and bring back to Him, oh, we're going to get. But that's not the reason why we should ever give. We've got to catch the vision of giving and bringing to God. Look what it says, two scriptures that go along with this. Proverbs 16, verse 2. 
says all the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Listen to it from the NIV version. It says this, all a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. God looks at the motive, the motive of the heart. What's behind that which is given? Look what it says in James 4 verse 3. It says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask what? You ask wrong. The NIV version says, because you ask with wrong motives, what is the motive that you may have it for yourself? Notice this, that I want it for me. I want what I want and I want it right now. Come on, it's the wrong motive that I may spend it on my own pleasures. You see, when it becomes about you and not about him, then it becomes problems. When it's more about him or all about him or all about you and not about him, you've got things round the wrong way. God is a giver. I've said that a few times tonight because I want you to hear that. He's a giver. It's true. But when we bring back to him, he will give back to us. But that should never be our motivation for giving. I like how Robert Morris presents this in The Blessed Life. He says this, We should give for the pure joy of imitating our wonderful Father. How beautiful is that? Why do you give? Because God's a giver. Because my Father's a giver. So that's why I give, because I want to be like Him. I want to have the heart of God, so if I want to be like Him, I need to do what He does. So the reason I give is because of pure joy of what? Emanating imitating my wonderful Father, having a right heart towards God, giving. That's what God looks at. When God looks at man, how's he going to judge you? Not by the car you drive. It's not by the job you have. It's not by the home you live in. God's going to judge you by the heart. Remember with Samuel, he said, I don't see as man sees because man looks at the outward. And God says, but I look where? God says, I look at the heart. I look at the heart. I look at the heart of man. So having the right heart towards God is so, so important. And a properly focused heart is more excited about the giving part than the receiving part. So let's look tonight, just real quick, if we could, at the four different types. The four different types of heart that they are. And please understand this. In the parable of the sower, the soil was our heart. The soil is our heart. The type of soil, the type of ground that the Word of God is received in is our heart, the way we act, the way we live. So let's look at four different hearts tonight. Are you ready? Number one, a selfish heart. A selfish heart. Do you have a selfish heart? Is your heart selfish? Come on, let me ask you, just throw it out there. Someone shout out the answer if you've got it. Come on, what does a selfish heart look like? Anyone? Shout out some things. It looks greedy. Anyone else? Self-centered. All about themselves, full of themselves, unhappy. Elizabeth, you said something. Vain. Narcissistic, come on. Someone ate a dictionary for breakfast, love it. Ate a thesaurus for dessert. Love it. Come on. Anyone else? Okay. Let me ask you this question then. How does that selfish heart therefore respond to God? How does a selfish heart respond to God? What can he do for me? Rationalizes things. Okay, almost demanding things from God. Okay, anyone else? Justifying their actions. Yes, Ken. Okay. Self-absorbed, all about me. So therefore, who's God? What do I need God for? Or yet, the other extreme is, well, God, you just live to serve me. So we've got to be very careful in our lives because we don't like to label the actions of our life. But many times we're selfish. Many times what we have is a selfish heart and God deals with man in the state of our heart. So we need to change this. We need to first identify it. 
You know what the Bible says a selfish heart is? The Bible says a selfish heart is a wicked heart. A wicked heart. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 15. If you've got your Bibles, just keep a bookmark in there because we're going to go back to this chapter throughout every type of the heart. But we're going to see this in here and you can follow on the screen. Deuteronomy 15 verse 9. It says, and and understand the context again of this scripture. God is given instruction to the children of Israel that what they were to do, that every seven years there was a year that was called the year of Jubilee. During the year of Jubilee, if you were a slave, if, if someone took property from you because you could not pay the bill, the note, every seven years what would happen was every debt was erased. Every slave was set free. And God was giving them instructions here of what they were to do with those who were slaves to them, how they were to be generous and how they were to help them. So understand that. So let's read Deuteronomy 15 verse 9. It says, Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release or the year of jubilee is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, And you give him nothing. And he cries out to the Lord against you. And it will become sin amongst you. So you see what's happening. Because of a selfish heart. What I am supposed to do. Now I don't want to do that. Because I have an evil eye against that poor brother. And what happens is. He cries out to God. And then what I have done. Has now become sin in my life. I've sinned. I've done wrong. I've been wrong. A selfish heart is sin. It's wrong. It's not of God. We always have a struggle in the flesh to have perhaps concern or compassion on others. You see, when we've got a selfish heart, we can turn around and say, I know they've got a need, but guess what? My need's greater than theirs. A selfish heart will close you off from having consideration, compassion, and concern towards others. And who was Jesus all about? Not himself. Jesus was all about other people. Come on, selfishness says, I won't have enough for what I need. Come on, selfishness says, well, I don't have enough right now, so I'm not going to give. I'm not going to bring back to God. And God tells them, Through this scripture, and he wants you to hear tonight. God says, don't think like that. Don't have a selfish heart. Look what it says in Joshua 1 verse 8. God's instruction to Joshua. God says to Joshua, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Notice what he's saying, that you've got to know the word. You've got to be in the word. It's an instruction and it's, and it's a guidance for us too. Be in the word, meditate in it, know it, live the word of God that you may, what? Observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. I love what it says right there. God's saying to Joshua, it's not me even, and it is God because it's all God. But the reason why we're either blessed or not blessed is not because of God, because God's the blesser. The reason we're blessed or not blessed is because of us. And God is showing Joshua here. He says, because you choose right and do right and follow the word of God, guess what? You are making your way prosperous. When I bring my tithe to God, guess what? I'm making my family prosperous. I'm bringing blessing to my home. I'm releasing the provision of God upon my home. That's not the reason why I give, but that's what I know happens. I give because I love, because I want to be a giver like God. But can you see, he says, then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Here's the problem though with that verse. Most of us would turn around and tell most people that what he's just said there is the key to prosperity is to know the word of God, to meditate on the word of God. I want to tell you right now, that's just half of the truth. Because what unlocks that truth is this. He says what? That you may observe to do all or to according to 
all that is written in God's Word. Come on, it's not just meditating on God's Word and learning Scriptures and quoting Scriptures. As important as that is, that's just half of it. God says you've got to do it. You've got to live it. You've got to be it. It's doing the word that will bring success and blessing. If you come to me and you say to me, I'm doing the word of God and my life is not prospering, I'm telling you right now, you're a liar. Because it's either your line or God's line. And God says, I can't lie. God says, it's impossible for me to lie. He says, I don't do as man does. I don't see as man sees. He says, have I not said it? So shall I not do it. God says, I cannot lie. So therefore, if we're doing the word of God, the results are, we're going to see prosperity in our life. I want you to see this. But you see, a selfish heart fights against that. Come on. That's why selfishness is perhaps one of your greatest enemies because it wants to keep you from doing. It wants to keep you from giving. It wants to keep you from bringing back to God what is His. It wants to keep you from being what God has for your life. You don't have to teach a kid how not to share. You teach a kid how to share. Because the first words most kids are going to say when someone says, give me this, they're going to say, mine. That's mine. You don't teach a kid that. Why? Because that's the nature inside of us. And you see, we've got to realize that that sin nature wants to rear its ugly head whenever it can. That's why Paul says the one who's the strongest inside of you is the one that's going to rule. Come on, stay out of church for a little bit. Allow your relationship with God to wander and to wane. Guess what's going to happen? That flesh man's going to become stronger and stronger in your life. And you're going to begin to follow that voice And that leading in your life. Come on, you've got to put to death the works of the flesh in your life daily. As you, what, put on the breastplate of righteousness. As you put on the gospel of truth. As you put on the whole armor of God that you can stand. Come on, it's a daily stand in our lives. And these battles are against us. If you sit here and say, well, Anna, I'll just pay my tithes and I've gone to church and everything's going to be good. Tomorrow there's going to be problems waiting that's going to try and cause that old man to serve. Trying to cause that selfish heart to once again control your life. Come on, selfishness is hoarding. Selfishness is saying, I'm not going to give. Selfishness is resisting God. Heart number two is a grieving heart. A grieving heart. A grieving heart. You know, here's something I want to throw out here right now. Has someone just got $50 right now? Maybe $50 that you'd say, Pastor, I just want to bless you tonight. Is there anyone got $50 tonight that would say, I want to bless you? Man, you serious? Look at that. You serious? Man, that is awesome. Thank you, James. Thank you, man. Thank you. 50 bucks. Is that 50 bucks? 50 bucks. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let's read Deuteronomy 15 verse 10. Okay, look at it. It says, you shall surely give to him. And talking again about the slaves and those that you've released. What does it say? You shall surely give to him and your heart shall not be what? Grieved when you give to him. Deuteronomy 15 10. Because of this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in your works, and in all to which you put your hand. Look at this. You shall surely give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when what? When you give to him. I don't have a grieving heart when I give to him those around. Because what happens? God says what? He'll bless everything when I put my hand. So what is a grieving heart? What do you think a grieving heart looks like when it comes to not wanting to give or, or the fact of when I give, I regret that? What do you think a given heart looks like? Come on, help me out right now. Anyone? Fearful? Stressed? Worried? Doubtful? Remorseful? Okay. So here's the next question. How does a grieving heart, a heart of all those things, how does it respond to God? How does it really respond to God? Does it say, God, man, I I love you so much and I'm going to get... No, what does a grieving heart say? Hold on a second. Pity? Pity party? Anything else? Worried? Sorry, Holly? Like a bully? Negative? God, why are you making me do that? Listen to this. Literally, a grieving heart 
is a heart that gives and then regrets for what it's given. A grieving heart is something or someone that gives something and then they, why did I do that? I mean, what was I thinking? I mean, come on. I mean, I gave something to someone and I'm in greater need than them. Can you see what a grieving heart, a grieving heart wants to take back what it's already given. Listen to me. Satan loves this one. Because if Satan can't stop you from giving, having a selfish heart, guess what he'll do? He'll put a grieving heart in your life. So for what reason? That you will regret what you have given and the next time it comes round, you'll say no more. So you see what happens? If Satan can't stop you at the front, he'll get you at the back. If he can't stop you with selfishness, he'll stop you with a grieving heart. So a grieving heart is one that says, man, think what I could have done with that money. My God, I mean, that's a lot of money in my tithe check. Think what I could do. I could have a nice vacation on that. I could go and do this. I could. You see how Satan wants us to have a grieving heart for the loss of that which we have brought back to God. You know, there's something out there that they say is called buyer's remorse. You know, if you've lived long enough, you've probably had it. Every one of you have probably done this. Let me give you an example. Man, we need a new car. So you go and you show up for his car and it's all glistening and gleaming and and all nice. And the salesmen are so nice and they tell you they're going to give you all this off. And you think you're getting this most incredible deal and you're caught up in the emotion in the moment. And you, where do I sign? What do I do? And you sign and you do all these kind of things. And you're driving home and you're feeling so great about your new car. Then all of a sudden, boom, what did I just do? Come on, buyer's remorse. What did he say the note was going to be every month? What is going to be the insurance on this? Come on, a grieving heart then. That buyer's remorse says, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? Oh my God, what have I done? Let me give you a note to self. Anytime you make a major decision or something like that, sleep on it and pray on it. That's what I tell you to do. Don't just make an emotional decision about things. Sleep on it, pray on it. And here's a third one. Seek godly counsel on it. But listen, God doesn't want our heart to be like that towards us given to him. Remember 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7. It said, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity or of compulsion. For God loves what? A grieving giver? No. God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. You know what? I know some of you are still horrified about the fact that I took $50 and put it in my pocket. I know some of you are still eating with that. And how James just came up here and gave it to me. But you know why James was able to come up here and give this so easily to me? Because it wasn't his in the first place. I gave it to him before church. I went up to James and said... During a part of the service, here's $50 I want you to give. So I already had given him something that wasn't his. You know why he was able to give it so promptly when I asked for it? Because number one, it wasn't his in the first place. So guess what? He experienced no grief, no remorse or emotional conflict with giving it up because it wasn't his. Because he knew it wasn't his. You know how you combat and you come against a grieving heart with proper perspective regarding your money. You know how you beat a grieving heart by having proper perspective about your money. Remember two Sundays ago, we said to you for the last time you would say that's my money because the proper perspective is this. It's not my money. It's God's money. It's all his It's all his. He just asks me to be a good steward with it. Not an owner of it, but a good steward with it. So guess what I'm doing? I'm returning, not giving. I'm bringing back to God what is already his. So we've got to watch for a selfish heart that will stop us from giving. And then a grieving or a remorseful heart that will say, what have we done? And how do we deal with those? We ask God to change our heart. We have a right motive of the things that we give. And then what do we do? After we've given it and released it, we've realized it's not ours in the first place. And God wants to bless us. James, let me bless you tonight. Can I bless you tonight? There you go, mate. God bless you. Thank you, mate. But you know, here's the deal. 
Here's the deal. The deal is this. God wants to bless your life. James didn't expect that. He was told that he was going to give that to Pastor P. And you know what? If I would have said to him, well, man, I may give it to you. And then he gave it to me and I kept it in my pocket. He would have said, man, I thought he would have expected something, but he gave without expecting. And you know what just happened to him? God blessed him back. You see what can happen to your life when you give without expecting? God can bless you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Now, who did I give that million dollars to? Come on, right now. Only plan, only plan, only plan. So here's the third one. Are you ready? A generous heart. A generous heart. Still in Deuteronomy 15 and verse 14 now. It says, you shall supply him liberally from your flock. Notice, liberally, generously, that you shall give him. Who? The servant, the one who you were the master over that you ruled over, that you've got to release. God says, you've got to have not a selfish heart. Don't give grudgingly, but now you've got to give generously to him. You've got to give to him from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press, from what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give him. Here's a picture again of everything we have is God's, what God has blessed me with. And please, just like Kingsley said on Sunday, don't ever say, God, what you've given me is not enough. Because as we begin to thank God for what he's given to us, it releases the grace of God in our lives that is the provision that meets the needs for our lives. Come on, five loaves and two fishes is still enough for our lives. Come on, what God has called us to do and to be, his provision is still enough even though it seems so small. So let me ask you this. Here's the question. What does a generous heart look like? Cheerful. Joyful. Happiness. Successful. Gives freely. Excitement. Full. Inspiring. Come on, you're inspiring me. Come on, come on. Come on, how many likes the look of this? Come on, I like this a whole lot better than that selfish junk and that grieving junk. But that's where I choose to live many times. And God says I can live full life. Come on, I can have joy. I can have peace. I can have blessing. I can have prosperity. So how does a generous heart respond to God? Openly. Willingly. Surrendering. Thankfully. Lovingly. Any more Lees? Gracefully. Grateful in spite. You just broke the cycle, but we like it. Grateful in spite of. Gratefully and spitefully. Cheerfully. Merrily, happily. Come on, do you see what I'm saying is? Do you see the different of way that now all of a sudden we're responding to God in the right way, but a selfish heart is like, no God. A grieving heart is what God? But yet a gracious or a generous heart is a heart that's turned around saying, God, nothing is too much for you. Because God, my heart is full because of you. Because the blessings that you have. You see, our sinful nature again wants us to try and figure out how we can manipulate circumstances to be in our favor. Come on, it's the attitude of a taker and not a giver. That's the battle that we still have inside of us, the old nature. But a generous heart says, hold on a second, it gives quickly. Why? Because it trusts God to take care of it. Come on, I've got a generous heart. I love to give to God. And you know why I love to give to God? Because I know God's going to take care of me and my family. Not just talking about financially. He's already done that more than I even deserve. Come on, I've got more than I deserve. Every one of us have more than we deserve. Because instead of grumbling, complaining for what we haven't got, we need to be thankful we haven't got what we deserve. And, and, and we've got so much. But a generous heart is a heart that says, God, I want to give to you because I want to trust you because you're going to take care of me because I know you're the only one that possesses the ability to bless my life and my future. Listen to this, a great statement. Something I wrote down today. Generosity doesn't look for return. It just looks for opportunities to give. It doesn't look for return. It just looks for an opportunity where it can act. It can do. Who can it touch? Who can it make a difference in? And the beauty about a generous heart too 
can be not just, again, financially, but it can be with our whole being. Come on, is your heart generous? Last but not least, number four, a grateful heart. A grateful heart. Deuteronomy 15.15, back in Deuteronomy again, it says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. It's like God slaps him a little bit. He says, I don't want you to be selfish. I don't want you to have a grieving heart. I want you to be generous. And here's why. Slap and slap, slap, slap. Remember how you were? Remember where you were when I came? You were in bondage. You were in prison. You were in slavery. You were, you were someone that someone would walk past. If you were on fire, most people wouldn't even have spat on you to try and put you out. You were the lowest of the low. No one cared about you. You were an outcast. People told you you were a mistake. Notice what he said. You've got to remember where you were and how I came to you. And what did he say? And I redeemed you. God says, I saw such value in you that no one else saw. And I bought you back. And how did I buy you back? With my son. The highest price that could ever be paid. I was willing to give that to redeem you back. Therefore, I command you. Can you see the right God has? Therefore, I command you these things. Or this thing today. I command you not to have a selfish heart and a grieving heart. But your heart better be liberal. Your heart better be generous. Your heart better be grateful. Why should we remember? I'm telling you why. And here's how I look at my past. I reflect back on my past. I don't live in my past. It's a reference point. Come on, when I'm driving in my car, thank God for the rear view mirror. But if I'm going to drive looking in that, I'm not going to get very far. It's a reference point of that which is behind me so I can be more successful in where I'm going. Thank God for my past, but I'm not staying there. It's a reference point that I can turn around and say, once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once I was a bondage, but now I'm Free. Why? Because it fills our heart with gratitude for all that he has done. Why do I reflect on my past? Because it makes me throw my hands in the air and say, God, I don't deserve what I've got. Thank you, God. 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 So come on, help me real quick. What does a grateful heart look like? Yes. Tender. Tender. Wants to give more. Giving. Humble. Submissive. Come on, Holly, help us out. Thanksgiving. Appreciative. It looks like the sun. How beautiful is that? Just is perfect, isn't it? So here's the next thing is, how does a grateful heart respond to God? Thankfulness. By giving thanks. Faithfulness. Willingness, being happy. Come on, a generous or a grateful heart says, God, I'm nothing without you. Everything I am. What was it Joyce Myers says? I heard her say it today. I'm a, I'm a something nobody. Is that what she says? Because I'm something, but then, yeah, I'm a no, I can't remember. She, it was good how she said it. I just killed it. Sorry, Joyce. Sorry, Auntie Joyce. Just killed it. But she talked about how I'm only something when I'm nothing and I realize he's everything. But listen to this. This is how I start my prayer every day. This is how I begin praying every day. God, thank you. God, I thank you for my home, for my wife, for my family. Thank you that you're using me. I begin my prayer every day by giving thanks to God. Begin by thankfully God. My grandfather taught me to a thankful heart, a double portion comes. And I'm telling you, as we're thankful, it begins to make us appreciate. If we're thankful for what we have got, let me tell you something. Our eyes will be turned away from what we think we need. And we'll realize we've got and God has provided. Come on, and today, unfortunately, a grateful heart can be a rare commodity. But it's something that is so precious. Remember the ten lepers in the Bible? God's really been showing me something about this in the light of financing given. There was ten lepers that they went because God told them to go and show themselves to the priest. Nine of those ten never returned, but one came back to give thanks. 
That man, he was actually a foreigner and he came back and he threw himself at the feet of Jesus and he said, thank you. And Jesus said to him, were there not ten of you? Where are the other nine? He didn't have the answer for where they were because he really didn't know where they'd gone. But all he knew was, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you know what Jesus said to him? Your faith, a grateful, thankful heart, listen to me, has made you whole. Has made you whole. That wholeness right there, I believe. Shoot me down, you can believe whatever you want. But I'm telling you right there, I believe that wholeness wasn't just spiritual. He received spiritual wholeness that day. His life would never be the same again. But I believe that spiritualness didn't stop at just the spirituality. I believe physically he was made whole. I believe a nose grew back again on his face and fingers began to reappear and toes that had been eaten up with leprosy. Why do I believe that? Because I'm telling you, when we live a thankful life, there's wholeness that it brings to every area of our life. We won't be crippled anymore. Come on, emotionally, physically, mentally. Come on, there's wholeness that can come. And how incredible is that? A 10 to 1 ratio, isn't that like tithe? A tenth of our tithe as we give thanks to God produces wholeness in our lives. As we give to God, as we bring our tithes, if we are grateful to God for what he's done in everything in our lives, there's a wholeness that it brings to our lives. So he says, I'll rebuke the devourer. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. I want to just read a story tonight and then I'm going to close. It's a really cool story out of this book and it's called The Peanut Blessing. You ready? When God does a work in our hearts, we give simply to give, not to get. The resulting blessings we receive is the byproduct and not the goal. I saw the beautiful example of this on a trip to Costa Rica to preach at a Bible school. I discovered that every Friday at this Bible college, they have what they call Bless Another Day. A day in which students were encouraged to give to others. I heard about a student in the school who had no money and he worked in the fields of a peanut farmer to pay for his tuition. He went to the farmer and said to him, I'm wondering, farmer, if you would withhold from my wages the price of one peanut so that I may have it to give to someone on bless another day. And please keep in mind how easy it would have been and simple for this man to put a peanut or two in his pocket as he worked in the field. But God can only bless people of integrity. The farmer agreed, so every Friday this student would bring one peanut to school and give it to another student in his class. Not surprisingly, God began to bless this young man who had an unselfish, generous heart. Before long, he wasn't just giving peanuts on Bless Another's Day, he was giving money. And by the end of the semester, he was also buying pencils and other school supplies for the poorest of the students. By the end of that year, God had blessed him so much that he was able to pay a year's tuition for another student. And by the time he graduated, he was paying the tuition of 10 other students beside himself. Within a few years of graduating from Bible school, he bought the peanut farm where he used to work and he was covering the cost for scores of students who otherwise would have not been able to afford to go. And it all started before, because God did a work in his heart. He gave when all he could give was a peanut. The issue, you see, is not the amount we give. The issue is the motive behind our giving. I like how it started. It said... The resulting blessings we receive are the byproduct, not the goal. So, how's your heart? Do you have a bringer's heart, which is a heart that's unselfish, that is not grieving, but it's generous and it's full of gratitude to God? That type of heart is the type of heart that God will bless. And did I tell you at the beginning 
not just financially, but in every area of your life. Your marriage, your home, your job, your health, your children, your job, the fact you'll sleep at night. The list goes on and on. Because a heart that is given to God is a heart that will truly receive from God. I don't give to get. I give because I have the honor and the privilege to return back to God what's already His. And if He sees that He can trust me with what is His, Luke 16 tells us, if we can be faithful in what is another man's, the promise is this, God will reward you with that which is now yours. God wants to bless your life. God wants to bless your life. But it only comes through the right heart. Amen. Would you bow your heads right now? Wherever you're at, just find a place to pray. If you want to get on your knees now, you can. If you want to just keep your head bowed, that's fine. If you want to get out of your chair and just come and kneel at the front right now, that's fine. But you know what? Just for a couple of minutes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to really ask yourself, how's my heart? If you're showing up on the scene of the accident right now and a paramedic is looking at your heart right now, I mean, what state is your heart in right now? What state is your heart? Because the state of your heart is that which is going to determine the outcome of your life. The state of your heart is going to determine the outcome of your life. Come on, just for a few moments. Why not ask God just to change your heart? Can we do that? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.